All it takes is a click to listen to RTI Online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Later on in this hour, we'll be taking you over to Ear to the Ground and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. But first up, as always, we start off today's English language features with Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Wednesday, November 21st. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Shirley Lin. Hi, John. In just a moment, we'll be talking about uh, Taipei's Grand Hike, a hiking trail, a course that we talked about a few months ago, and how it's really been taking off. Then a look at some Taiwanese tech and innovations that have won some awards, and a politician, a political candidate, in hot water with National Geographic, the magazine. We'll be finding out why in just a moment. Please stick around. However, we start off today's program with cheese. <laughs> yes. Well, we're talking about uh, how the American Institute in Taiwan is uh, going to launch this USA Cheese Certification Program in Taiwan. What is a cheese certification program? What does that involve? Yeah, I'll fill you in. Um, well, uh, basically, it's uh, okay. It's designed for both food service and retail. It's a new global training. Um, this certification program consists of three progressive certification levels, okay. uh, which are associate, intermediate, and master. Upon completion for all three courses, graduates will receive the designation of USA Cheese Specialist, Ooh. which they will be able to proudly display with a sew-on patch for their uniform. A prestigious <laughs> patch yes. to have indeed. Yes, cheese specialist. That's so, something to put on your resume, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? So it's not like divided into cheddar specialist or something It's all like that. cheese or any kind of cheese okay, so you can think of, I guess. So I guess, you know, you want to have general cheese experts too, I suppose. Yeah, you need uh, to, yeah, be good, at, you know. So you, said, you mentioned retail. Um, mm. Are these people like cheese, what do you call them, sommeliers? Oh, uh, are, people at, are these people yeah, at, doesn't like, it sound that way? Uh, you know, these fancy supermarket deli counters that yes. hand out samples. Uh, is, that, <laughs> is that what this is? Probably more than that. But um, basically, to this program, they will also be inducted into the global USA cheese specialist community. Is that, there is a community of that? Yes. That's good to know. Yeah. With a lifetime membership to the USA Cheese Guild, which provides members continued access to valuable resources to keep them engaged and connected to the U.S. cheese industry throughout their career. Well. And <laughs> this program is scheduled to launch in 2019 next year in Taiwan. Well, so. surely get your, get your cheese-making, your, your cheese general trivia knowledge together. Yeah, maybe I mean, can, maybe that's... Maybe it's a career change for you, you think? <laughs> well, it's a good source to know about, you know, uh, protein intake. Good other than calcium as well. Uh, calcium, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It helps calcium too, other than just, you know, meat and stuff. But uh, this program is going to be an industry academic partnership okay. between the U.S. Dairy Export Council and the National Kaohsiung University of Hospitality and Tourism. So it's, a, um, it's an aim to teach up and, uh, up and coming food industry professionals about, 
what you, what you, know, you can guess. Cheese. Cheese. All right. <laughs> so, but um, I think that's kind of interesting because Taiwanese, uh, Taiwan cuisine is kind of going towards the Western direction, Western mm. cuisine direction in some way. Not and Taiwanese be, cuisine per se, well, but yeah. I mean, Taiwanese, the Taiwanese diet maybe. Right, um, right, right, right. Eating habits. So it'll be good to know about all the facts you need to know about cheese. There you go. Well, that's something to maybe you can look into, Shirley. <laughs> yes, definitely. All right, I think it was maybe around September when we told our listeners about a 92-kilometer course around Taipei being called the Grand Hike. Oh, that's, I do remember. That's what they're calling it. Uh, it basically follows the ridges of these mountains all across the city, all across the city of Taipei. And uh, at first, you know, we were talking about maybe we should try it in bits and stages because if you complete it, uh, the city will give you a exercise towel, apparently. Okay, and how many so, trails are there all together? There's oh. not a list of them here. Oh, okay. But uh, what we do know but is But it adds up to 92,000. 92 kilometers. Uh, 92 kilometers. <laughs> what Nin- am I thinking? <laughs> okay, never mind. Um what we do know now is that since we broke that story, uh, more than 100 people have now finished the hike. Oh, good and for them. So within a period of two months. I knew we had an avid wow. hiking community here, uh, much more active than our cheese community, for instance. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's still a lot of people who, that is who are hiking our trails. So as we said, uh, you know, maybe a sports towel seems a bit disappointing after all that effort. Uh, and you also have to take pictures at 12 designated locations to prove oh, that you yes, did the whole I thing. Oh, yes, I do remember the details so now. So yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, that's sort of a pittance mm. compared to what you have to go to to complete it. But there is, it says here, a special souvenir in store for people who are the 100th, 200th, or 300th finisher and so on. So if you happen and that's really luck of the draw i guess i, I don't yes. think there's like a counter online somewhere you can where you can see you know <laughs> you are number 1344 <laughs> to complete this uh but yeah it doesn't say what the souvenir is but i my interest is peaked um so it's more than just a sports towel yeah and people started showing up you know the first week after the trail was announced so people are really into it if you're interested and in Taipei, uh, you can actually pick up a brochure that contains a map of the trail at uh, the Geotechnical Engineering Office. I'm not quite sure what that, where that is, but I think, I mean, we were talking about doing this, right? Mm. Let's go check that out. Well, you and know. We could get a sports towel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, if I had a time, I would want to go on these trails. Um, first of all, for the exercise, so you benefit from it. But secondly, I love sightseeing. I mean, think about all the trails that can offer me all the sites about Taiwan. It's so relaxing, you know. It, it's it's a good way to get away, well, sort of city city because you're, you're still in the city I mean, limits. You're just in the city, but then you're up somewhere. It so doesn't you feel, feel like, like it. Right, no. right. Mm, well, yeah, yeah it's That's, true. You need a lot of leisure time to do 92 kilometers in a well, year. Well, we can do it in stages. Stages, right? <laughs> let's sign up, John. All right, let's go. Let's go pick up that geotechnical office map. <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, Taiwanese inventors always surprise me with their ingenuity, uh, and it's not just me, it turns out. They've won some awards, some of our tech innovators here in Taiwan. Yes, I'm very impressed with our inventors, really. Um, We're known to to have great inventions. So two leading technology research institutions in Taiwan received five 
not just one, five 2018 R&D 100 Awards in Orlando, Florida. Uh, this just took place on November 16th and uh, uh, with uh, the Industrial Technology Research Institute winning three and the Institute for Information Industry winning two. Okay. So the, uh, the, um, the ITRI, Industrial Technology Research Institute, uh, winners this year comprise of a portable ultraviolet CLED water sterilizer system, uh, which is the world's first solar-powered flow water sterilizer for emergency use. Mm. What it does is that it produces clean water by killing waterborne bacteria with UVC LED technology. Well, access to clean water is a global issue. It so is. I think they're the, and if, especially if it's solar-powered, mm. that kind of makes it, uh, as long you just need sun, right? Just add sun. That's right. And we've got some sunny days, you know, lately. Right. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of uh, places around the world that also, that you know, a lot of places around the world that lack access to clean water also have plenty of sun, so no issue there. That is no right. No need to be on a power grid or have a generator. Yeah. It, stuff. It's I think this is a great invention. Another winning technology is a single bath supercritical fluid dyeing process okay. for PET or blended elastic um, textiles that uses carbon dioxide instead of water as a dyeing solvent. So it eliminates wastewater and helps to cut down on pollution. So does it get rid of CO2 then? I, I suppose. Well, right? that's need something useful that is to really it. Something. We, have, we have lots of it. Yeah. So, and then uh, for, the, for the same institute, it's got this unmanned aerial vehicle police patrol system that coordinates smart charging and UAV shift changes to boost surveillance capabilities and allow for less human involvement and risk during patrols. Also won an, an honor, actually, an honor at this uh, awards mm-hmm. ceremony, too. So I think that's very impressive. And by the way, this R&D 100 Awards, it was first presented in 1963. It recognizes revolutionary science so and technology innovations. We're doing revolutionary things then, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, we are changing the world. So they are widely recognized in industry, government, and academia, academia globally as a mark of excellence for the most innovative ideas of the year. Okay, it's election time. We're really in the final days of this campaign here. Uh, One candidate decided to be a bit creative with their posters, and we've talked about some creative posters on this program over the past few months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Posters are a way to stand out, aren't they, here in Taiwan especially? (laughs) With Uh, their, you know, unique poses. (laughs) um, You know, they tend to copy each other, but, I mean, people do try to be at least original. Uh, But but this one candidate may have gone a bit too far, taking a... Taking something that wasn't didn't belong to her, oh, <laughs> an intel- piece of intellectual property that wasn't hers to use. Uh, this was the National Geographic logo. You've you've seen the National <gasps> yes, Geographic logo yes, before, yeah. That sort of yellow square. Mm-hmm. Um, is that supposed to be a frame? It's a frame. Is that what it is? Yeah. We should we should really Google these things. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, uh, she used that and also some of those little uh, laurels or what do you call them, like olive branches that are used to indicate, you know, uh, it says here cinematic honors. I'm not oh, sure if they don't okay. mean, do they mean like palm fronds too? Because it's like the palm door. Yes. I'm, anyway, uh, one of those things you use in awards logos a lot of the time. Uh, okay. And I guess there's no trademark on plant patterns, but <laughs> the National Geographic logo, definitely there is. 
And so it says here that uh, National Geographic got in touch with the campaign. Uh, Their Mandarin language Facebook account uh, actually warned the candidate, disavowed any support, and uh, basically said that uh, they've asked the candidate to remove all of the the stuff that's not they weren't supposed to use immediately. And it says also in the statement that the company's legal department is seeking redress via legal channels. So, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's not good. Um, It's this news story broke a few days ago. uh, And it says in the story that uh, the campaign office had yet to respond as of Saturday morning, November 17th. But I saw in the news that they were like taking... Uh, what's it called? What's that black? It's not, not masking tape, but something similar to that. And like oh. manually blacking all of it out. So you can't oh, no. see. So she has like this big, all of her campaign, like trucks and stuff have this like black frame on them. Instead no, of it's the like a patch. Like they oh, just patch. oh. patched it over. Uh, I think she also <sighs> used their English language trademark. So it must've written, she must've written National Geographic on it, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, but okay. yeah, it's kind of a bit strange looking now. Fortunately, it's only, for the most part, it looked like it was only in one corner. So not like hugely noticeable, but a bit embarrassing for this one candidate. Uh, I guess you just really have to follow the law if you're going to be in public office, especially. Right. I mean, you know, I, I'm good thing that she put an effort to be unique, but uh, got to be careful about copyright, I guess. I'm Trademarks. Interested, I'm interested. What is, what's the most creative... Uh, political it doesn't matter if it's an ad or a poster or whatever that you've seen this campaign season so far how about a candidate in a swimsuit you've seen one of those (laughs) i think we've talked about this right really yeah about a candidate in a swimsuit i mean it's not like a very revealing swimsuit but she was in one yes i've seen i know there's a candidate who was a former swimmer who i think represented taiwan who's in his swimsuit but mostly Mm -hmm. i think to show off his physique um (laughs) And then there was the other one that we mentioned about someone who just decided that uh, they were going to draw all over their own face. <laughs> Remember that one? Oh, yes, yes. So lots of, I mean, lots creative of ways. ideas. Lots of ways to be creative without, you know, taking someone else's intellectual property. <laughs> well, that just wrap, about wraps it up for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. Don't go anywhere just yet. We've got Ear to the Ground and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes coming up next. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International from Taipei, Taiwan. I've never been a fan of heavy metal. I mean, it's a lot of noise. You can't really hear what they're singing about. And at the end of the day, I'm a gentle soul. But in today's Ear to the Grounds, I, Andrew Ryan, am going to bring you a heavy metal mashup that I can get behind. An ear to the ground.
This is the sound of Kadagalan Boulevard. It's a 10-lane stretch of road that leads 400 meters from Taipei's historic East Gate all the way up to the presidential office building. In the middle of the afternoon on a weekday, the dominant sound is that of scooters. Now, back before they lifted martial law about 30 years ago, there would have been no scooters or motorcycle sounds. Those were banned, and pedestrians passing in front of the presidential office building would have to bow their heads when walking by. It's not nearly as somber a place as it used to be, but imagine my surprise when I pass by on Sunday and hear this. This is the sound of the Taiwanese heavy metal band Kthonic, which has been called the Black Sabbath of Asia. The lead singer, Freddie Lim, is decked out in black, has long hair and black makeup on his forehead. The crowd is pretty into the show, and there's even some headbanging going on way up front. But there's one more surprise for you. This is not a heavy metal concert. Let's rewind to earlier in the afternoon. That's a huge round of applause for a group of teachers. Now that's something you don't hear every day. There are several dozen people on stage representing all sectors of Taiwanese society, not just education, but also religious groups, civic groups, and parents. What you're listening to is a rally in favor of same-sex marriage organized by the Marriage Equality Coalition Taiwan. The high court handed down a ruling here in 2017 that looked like it was going to pave the way for Taiwan to become the first country in Asia to approve same-sex marriage. But small, highly funded opposition groups managed to get three referendums approved, forcing pro-equality groups to play catch-up with two pro-LGBT referendums of their own. And all of this is going to be voted on next weekend. Now, this rally from Sunday night is also a bit of a last-ditch effort, but the crowd has swelled to tens of thousands of people, and organizers say maybe even 100,000 people. Throughout the afternoon, a bunch of stars come on stage to throw support behind the push for marriage equality. Big names like Amber An, Dai Ling, director Zero Chen, and actress Ding Ning, who won Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Horse Awards the night before. And there are lawmakers from all of the main political parties. To be honest, I can't think of stranger bedfellows. Parents, teachers, religious groups, politicians, gay rights activists, and all of this right in front of the presidential office building. And now on stage, wrapping up this unusual package, is Chthonic, a death metal band whose name means relating to or inhabiting the underworld. They look like the kind of people that would have beat me up as a queer little kid, but today they're supporting same-sex marriage. The lead singer, Freddie Lim, himself is a politician from the progressive New Power Party. He says his band doesn't usually perform for social issues because his fans tend to throw ghost money, which is usually burned for the deceased. He laughs as he says he told them to leave the ghost money at home today. With the final screams of music, the band has whipped the crowd up into a frenzy. Even the hosts can't contain themselves.
My friends, save your rage for November 24th. Save your rage for that moment. Use your rage to stamp your ballot at the elections, she says. But will all this energy be enough? We'll find out on November 24th. With the Near to the Ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and welcome to this week's Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong and on today's show we're listening to music with a fusion of Chinese and Western culture. The start of will play for you a piece which I think you're familiar with. This is the three Stanzas of plum blossoms are the three variations of plum blossoms. The Guqin solo of the three stanzas of plum blossoms is played by the most famous Guqin contemporary player Gong Yi from the Magic Opera by Flute in 1425 to the Guqin edition in 1868. The melody has become known in many households. And here is three stanzas of plum blossoms or also known as three variations of plum blossoms Thank you. 
you just heard was a classic three stanzas of plum blossoms or three variations of plum blossoms and next we'll listen to a taiwanese folk song this is actually known as a campus folk song yue qin or moon shaped guitar the song is originally created and sung by a famous taiwanese Folk song singer Zheng Yi, and it was resung by Zhang Qingfang, a famous pop diva, later on. This song is actually in memory of Chen Da, a famous Hengchun folk singer good at playing Yue Qin. Hengchun is located in the southern tip of Taiwan. And let's sit back, relax, and listen to Yue Qin, or moon-shaped guitar. Shanghai Yang 
旧制服啊，再唱一段唐山谣，再唱一段思乡想起唱一段唐山谣，走不尽的坎坷路，恰如祖先的步履。抱一支老乐琴，三两声不成调，老歌手轻吟又在。见横春的传奇，落山风向海洋，岸上会消失，接续你的修止符。唐山谣，再唱一段思乡情。RTI News programs. Pictures and more online at English.rti.org.tw. Check it out. And again, you're listening to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and today we feature music with a fusion of Chinese and Western culture, produced by Longyuan Music. And next, we'll listen to Tea and Zen. When we taste tea, we can understand the length of time and width of world through a succession of moves, such as picking up the kettle, falling of water, smoke rising, stretching, smelling the scent, and producing saliva. If there is flute and zither by your side with the sounds surrounding you, you will forget all the bustles and hustles in the earthly world.
T and Zan. And next we'll listen to Moonlight on the Flowery Spring River. Pipa, the sound flicked on the gold stone, is an instrument that appeared in Qin Dynasty. It's fully expressive and is not only used to play in the ensemble, but can be also used to play in a solo. Thank you. 
Moonlight on the Spring River Classic, and hopefully you've enjoyed listening to the selection of our music today. Thank you for listening. For comments and suggestions, please write to PO Box One Two Three Dash One Nine Nine Taipei Taiwan, and our email address is rti at rti dot org dot tw. I'm Carlson Wong again. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. Take care. Goodbye.
Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. I'm John Van Trieste, back in the studio once again with Shirley Lin, and we're here to leave you with one more thing. Taiwan is full of very generous people, very giving people. Uh, we often repeat the story of this vegetable vendor, for instance, who has donated so much money to good causes and has been honored for it, but, I mean, keeps going, you know. Mm -hmm. not, not one to uh, brag about it or rest on her laurels. And we've got another very generous person to talk about today. This one is a stinky tofu vendor in Keelung. Oh, okay. In the northern sports town of Keelung. And for the past 11 years, the most recent time being on last Wednesday, uh, this vendor celebrated his birthday by donating his whole earnings for the day to the local office of the Taiwan Fund for Children and Families. Uh, this is uh, this gentleman is named Liu Qingshan, and he just turned 76. Uh, as we've said, he owns a stinky tofu shop, and uh, that's pretty tough work, especially. I guess yeah. you get, I guess you do get used to the smell eventually. But <laughs> yeah, you know that's an occupational hazard, isn't it? <laughs> um, and he used to, you know, take go go away for his birthday, take the day off, and go on a trip with his family. But one year, I guess about 11 years ago, his grandson asked him about, you know, what. Do all the what happens to all the disadvantaged people in this world? Oh. Asking one of the big questions of life. Yeah, really. And uh, that got his grandfather thinking. And, you know, he thought about, he learned about workers here uh, in Taiwan who, in some cases, have to take unpaid holidays. And so he decided that he was going to do something, to something nice for other people. Uh, and so on Wednesday, his most recent, his 11th consecutive attempt he raised 55,000 dollars for this office so was that which, a sales in one day or something that's a lot isn't it that's how what a lot of people make in a month i think I he may have had people like donate as well it was his birthday too okay. so i'm not sure it was completely based on sales it doesn't say that in this article here right um but yeah that's like a month's salary for a lot of people i know because um, i'm thinking what a uh, stinky tofu a dish might be just what 40 it's pretty NT inexpensive or? yeah yeah inexpensive this is not just going to taiwanese families and children either it says that some of it's going overseas as well uh and so actually, this is a record breaking year for him. So I think probably local people caught wind of this and mm. decided to show up and, and support him. Aww. You know what I mean? Because in previous years, he was doing between 30000 and 40000 dollars, which still for a lot of people is a month's pay. Yes. Uh, so it's, he's upped his game this year. And he even prepared more tofu for the occasion because he wanted to raise more money. Oh, wow. So... So on Wednesday, uh, people from the charity also came by and celebrated his birthday with him at the shop. So that's kind of a nice way to get together, too, I guess. Yes. You don't necessarily so need a big fanfare, mm -hmm. you know, go somewhere fancy. And they even bought him a cake, which was also nice. <laughs> um, and the office says that it's very grateful to the people who've been supporting Mr. Leo's business and helping out with uh, the donation drives. They are going to have a party in it. it I guess it might be at his shop. It doesn't say where, um, but it's going to be on December 15th. And they're trying to reach the goal of uh, giving to 1,380 needy families. That's, oh, so that's beyond her his um, birthday yeah. kind of um, giving. I'm not sure if he's going to be involved in that or not. Oh, or if they're okay. just taking the opportunity to tell us that. <laughs> but still, um, it's a good, I mean, that's a great way to get the message out, too, about your organization and what they're doing, you know. 
Exactly. And there's no, not, barely a more Taiwanese way I can think of than doing it through stinky tofu. <laughs> I mean, that's a great medium, very Taiwanese medium. Yes, we love for, that food. For putting out a message, isn't it? Um, yeah, they haven't reached their fun, fundraising goal yet. They have a long way to go. Uh, it's a very specific number of needy people. I'm not mm. sure why they chose that, if that has some symbolism. But uh, yes, they, the office of this charity would like uh, people to continue offering help so that they can help families feel kindness and warmth from society, especially as we go in towards the new year. Well, that's all from us here today at Radio Taiwan International's English Service. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow when we present Stroke of Light, Ion China, and Chinese to Go. For now, though, from all of us here in Taipei, thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also, visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.